Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, I am having sinus issues because of allergies, and that will be the case for the next couple of weeks, so please bear with me and I will make my recordings as clean as I possibly can. Thank you for your understanding. Last week, We noted in our episode titled, Exhortation to the Faithful, Part 2, May 29th, we found three important things we need to be reminded of as humans living for God. One of particular note was, noting the things the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. Interestingly, not to the destruction of God's people, even if they are misled, as is a far more likely thing today than ever before. Remember, today, mankind is far more able to deceive others than ever before. Keenly mixed truth and falsehood say more to the unsuspecting person that far more easily deceives them since some of what they say is actually true. Never mind the plethora of this kind of information you can now find on the Internet on any topic. We also learned not all the doctrines of the Bible or even all the doctrines of Paul are hard to be understood. Yet, Barnes' New Testament notes told us also, nothing is plain, meaning, to find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, Exhortation to the Faithful, Part 2. For more, listen to Exhortation to the Faithful, Parts 1 and 2. Welcome to our 2022 summer series, The Rapture, a Mystery, a New Thing. We will be studying our Bibles in this summer series by finding many of the scriptures in the Bible on this subject to discern whether this is an appropriate way to learn of this subject or not. After all, we can find Bible verses in both the Old and New Testaments besides the book of Revelation on this subject. It is a foregone conclusion and fact that there is some form of catching up of the Bride of Christ to heaven. Those who are saved in Christ, male and female, make up this Bride. See the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. This is one example of what I am saying. Until a few years ago, four dominant thoughts on the rapture or catching up existed. One, a pre-tribulation rapture or ascension of God's church, his people saved in him. Two, a mid-tribulation ascension of the church at large and those added to it in the first half of the tribulation period. Three, a post-tribulation ascension, 
quickly followed by the return of God's people with Christ coming down to rule for a thousand years. 4. A varied theory, made more complex by involving parts of the three previously mentioned theories and now more modern thoughts as well. This makes this subject most confusing because of its puzzle-like piecing together of scripture and thought by many today. Which, if any of these four, is correct? What if there is both a pre-tribulation and a mid-tribulation catching up? Two catching up events for two completely different reasons. Herein, some say, lies the unsolved mysteries of this event that most do not understand correctly and yet argue profusely. Why do people argue so profusely about something they know little or even nothing about? I am hoping to work in a different direction, to provide a sound teaching that will help us understand that there is more to understanding this subject than may well meet the eye at first read. Furthermore, with only reading the text and not studying it more deeply, it is very easy to arrive at the wrong understandings and conclusions. The way teaching is delivered on this subject is a very dangerous means of teaching what the Bible truly says on any subject. This is not a single subject contained in a single passage of Scripture. This subject is best said as sprinkled throughout God's Word in both Testaments besides the book of Revelation. This series will be a multi-part series spanning more than our usual three-episode limit. With that, I hope you are excited and want to start our study. Let's go. The very first thing we need to do is identify who Scripture is talking about since it does not emphatically name a people or group of people. Modern people today definitively need to understand who is being spoken of in any passage. Notice, in all the tribes of the earth, the word tribes in the Revelation always means the Israelites but where another word, such as nations or people, is joined with it, it implies likewise all the rest of mankind. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. That is a definition we need to have clear so we know emphatically when Scripture is talking about the Israelites, people other than the Israelites, or all people of the whole earth. Israelites and Gentiles together. Notice as well that commentary told us that these definitions are applied, quote, in the Revelation, end quote, meaning the book of Revelation in your Bible. If there is a rapture event, or as some prefer to say, a catching up of God's people before the tribulation period, where can we find our first clue presenting any true information. We find no mention of God's people saved in Christ in heaven yet in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. By example, in chapter 1, we find in verses 7 through 8, Look, he is returning with the clouds, and every eye will see him, 
even those who pierced him, and all the tribes on the earth will mourn because of him. This will certainly come to pass. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, and who was, and who is still to come, the All-Powerful. All-Powerful is a hyphenated word with a capital A and a capital P. Here it is, right here in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. A promise of his returning with the clouds. However, what is meant by he is returning with the clouds? Other Bible versions say he is coming in the clouds. Whether in the clouds or with the clouds, just what is being said in our Bibles? What are these clouds that it should be noted to us? Is this the catching up before the tribulation or his second coming to earth to reign for 1,000 years? Note, this is why using his second coming to describe the catching up of his people is incorrect. His second coming describes an event unto itself. The Lord Jesus, when he returns, will come accompanied with clouds. This is in accordance with the uniform representation respecting the return of the Savior. Reference Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Compare Matthew chapter 26, verse 64. Mark chapter 13, verse 26, chapter 14, verse 62, Acts chapter 1, verse 9, and verse 11. Clouds are appropriate symbols of majesty, and God is often represented as appearing in that manner. See Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, Psalms chapter 18, verse 11, Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1. So, among the heathen, it was common to represent their divinities as appearing clothed with a cloud. The design of introducing this representation of the Savior and of the manner in which he would appear seems to be to impress the mind with a sense of the majesty and glory of that being from whom John received his revelations. His rank. His character, his glory were such as to demand respect. All should reverence him, and all should feel that his communications about the future were important to them, for they must soon appear before him. From Barnes New Testament Notes Let's read those scripture references quoted by Barnes, starting with Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, which reads, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Notice, we have to be talking about Jesus' second coming and not what is commonly referred to as the rapture, which is described as a hidden event with respect to Jesus' appearance. Moving forward, we are then directed to compare Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, with four others, starting in Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, 
which reads, Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power, capital P, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Mark chapter 13 verse 26 Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. Mark chapter 14 verse 62 reads, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power, again capital P, and coming with the clouds of heaven. And Acts chapter 1 verse 9 and verse 11. I will also quote verse 10 to keep the continuity, starting in verse 9. After he had said this, while they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud hid him from their sight. As they were still staring into the sky while he was going, suddenly two men in white clothing stood near them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Nothing here tells us that Jesus will come in an indiscreet way, which many teach he will, when he comes to take his church home into heaven. In fact, notice, nothing is here said that he is coming only for his church to take it home. All we know, so far, is the fact that Jesus will indeed come back to this planet on, in, or with the clouds of majesty a manner in which he often has appeared to the world before. However, this is not to say a pre-tribulation ascension of God's church is unlikely or not at all. This is to clarify just what Scripture is talking about. So, it is not what is commonly called the rapture happening at any time before, during, or after the tribulation. We are simply examining Scripture to see what it says. So far, an ascension of God's people safely away from the tribulation is yet to be mentioned in this Scripture search. I may be a bit emphatic, but I want to be very clear what we are examining here in Scripture. Too many people in my part of the world have been led greatly astray by incorrect teaching, especially incorrect teaching of this subject. Now, to one of my points. We were quoted in commentary only this verse, Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. However, notice what the whole paragraph says in verses 29 through 31. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet blast and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven 
to the other. From Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. Verse 30 was our quote. Can you see how different one thinks when we read the context a verse like this is in? Notice verses 29 and 30. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man arriving on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. After this all happens, notice what happens next. Verse 31 reads, And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet blast, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Clearly, in this context, his elect, who are us, are gathered from the four winds, north, south, east, west, notice, comma, then from one end of heaven to the other. Is this portion after the comma for clarity, or are two different types of gatherings being verbally combined into one gathering? This is where deeper study on any biblical subject, and especially this subject, is quite helpful. Notice, however, we really are talking about those who are saved in Christ. Where are his elect? Meaning, those saved in Christ. Verse 31 says, they are in heaven where they are being gathered. Again, for clarity, from one end of heaven to the other, from the north, the south, the east, the west. So, this is already a contradiction if we do not study further. It is a contradiction because we, his saints, are already in heaven. This, despite we are clearly talking of his return to earth. We do know that in his second coming to earth, his saints, that is us, are with him when he returns. So, which is true? Can both be true? How did we, his saved, suddenly and mysteriously get into heaven? Folks, these are the kind of questions we should answer and not let it rest in what we think of only a few or a handful of Scripture texts. Next, in the book of Revelation, John now encouraged to write down everything he sees and hears. He is told to send his writings to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Chapter 2 in the book of Revelation is John's writings to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, and Thyatira. Chapter 3 is his writings to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. He ends each letter with, The one who has an ear had better hear what the Spirit says to the churches. With that, I would encourage you to read the letters of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. 
so. Now we go into Revelation chapter 4, still with no clear ascension of God's people into heaven. Yet, the book of Matthew already told us God's people are in heaven. How does that work? We will find out. Again, for clarity, we have already uncovered the fact that God's people are in heaven and gathered from the four compass points of heaven as Christ makes his second coming to earth in person. So, we now know that we get there, but just when does that happen? This question is valid given all the modern-day fervor of his taking his people to heaven before the tribulation starts. So, let us keep looking. Now, the book of Revelation tells us, After these things I looked, and there was a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here so I can show you what must happen after these things. From Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. I think before we go any further, John needs to be better qualified in our minds. In regard to the nature of these visions, or the state of mind of the writer, there have been different opinions. Some have supposed that all that is described was made only to pass before the mind with no visible representation. Others, that there were visible representations so made to him that he could copy them. Others, that all that is said or seen was only the production of the author's imagination. The latter is the view principally entertained by German writers on the book. All that would seem to be apparent on the face of the book, and that is all that we can judge by, is that the following things occurred. 1. The writer was in a devout frame of mind, a state of holy contemplation, when the scenes were represented to him. 2. The representations were supernatural, that is, they were something which was disclosed to him in that state of mind beyond any natural breach of his faculties. 3. These things were so made to pass before him that they had the aspect of reality, and he could copy and describe them as real. It is not necessary to suppose that there was any representation to the bodily eye, but they had, to his mind, such a reality that he could describe them as pictures or symbols, and his office was limited to that. He does not attempt to explain them, nor does he intimate that he understood them, but his office pertains to an accurate record, a fair transcript of what passed before his mind. For anything that appears, he may have been as ignorant of their signification as any of his readers, and may have subsequently studied them with the same kind of attention which we now give to them, and may have, perhaps, remained ignorant of their signification to the day of his death. 4. Yet there was a sense in which these symbols were real, that is, they were a real and proper delineation of future events. They were not the mere workings of the imagination, 
He who saw them in vision, though there may have been no representation to the eye, had before him what was a real and appropriate representation of coming events. If not, the visions are as worthless as dreams are. From Barnes, New Testament Notes. Notice this two-sentence comment from item four. He who saw them in vision, though there may have been no representation to the eye, had before him what was a real and appropriate representation of coming events. If not, the visions are as worthless as dreams are. That may seem that the line defining truth and fable is quite small. It also means we need to have faith, to some degree, that what is written here in the book of Revelation, like the other books of the Bible, is true. I think, however, that this commentary passage has made a strong motion that what we read in the book of Revelation is, in fact, true. It requires no increase on our part of faith and belief over any other passage and or book in the Bible. The other thing we should surely notice in chapter 4, verse 1, is this comment. Come up here so that I can show you what must happen after these things. This verse gets remixed to mean something it does not. I have heard many pastors and teachers only quote the first three words, come up here, or come up hither from the King James Bible Version. They then say this is for all of us, when clearly the sentence and the context certainly tells us it is not. Again, for absolute clarity, notice the full sentence. Come up here so that I can show you what must happen after these things. This was spoken to John. This was a direct statement to John, the author of the book of Revelation, as seen in the complete sentence. As also seen further in the context, this sentence is a part. This is a gross manipulation of Scripture. This is not good because of how the last chapter ends about manipulating what the book of Revelation says. It also leads unsuspecting brothers and sisters in Christ into believing something that is an absolute falsehood. This is wrong for pastors and teachers to do. Next week, we will see that those who are children of God again are commented as already in heaven. How does that work, since no comment or comments have referred to any event that got us into heaven? Revelation chapter 5 verse 11 says, Their number was ten thousand times ten thousand, thousands times thousands. Is that a real number? Or is it merely a description of a body of people so large that in the day Revelation was written, there was no other way to describe the real number that were actually present? Join us next week when we look to get more answers. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts. 
or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes, without a citation, are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.